is such a privilege to be here with you on Mother's Day. I, I don't know about you, but for me, I don't always do the Mother's Day. Sometimes Phyllis will do it, and then sometimes I get to do it. And there's really been a word that's been on my heart. And so it's a special privilege today. It's always a privilege to come out and to share. And, you know, I, I just get the privilege. It's such a privilege to pastor this great church. You know, it, it is a privilege. I have a sign right here that says, God, it's a privilege to be on this stage. Thank you for choosing me. And, you know, I just think this morning on Mother's Day, I'm just thankful I get to speak into your hearts. You know, I, I, I really have a passion to see lives changed. And I feel like Mother's Day is interesting, right? You know, you know if it's Father's Day, can I just be real? Ain't none of y'all showing up. <laughs> Father's like, it's my day. I'm going deep sea fishing, and I pray you get sick. And I'll catch nothing, because you shall be in church. But Mother's Day is different, right? Mother's Day, like, hey, this is my day. You come show up for me. Ain't that right, mamas? And then you better have me some barbecue or some Mexican, and you better make it good and go ahead and clean the house while you're at it. And pastor, preach a good word. I'm going to preach a good word. I got a word for you this morning. And uh, so it's always so special to me. Uh, I'm really delighted to be here. And last week, we're, we're actually in a series, if you're here for the first time, uh, we're in a series entitled Running with the Giants. Anybody enjoying it? That'll be good. Last week, we talked about uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and it was so uh, great. I, I met a lady yesterday. She was actually at Kroger. She was in the first service, and it still blows my mind. Listen, if you haven't met me yet, can you come meet me? I want to meet everyone that comes to the church. You know, she said, I've been coming for a couple of months. I said, her name was Jennifer. I said, you've been coming for a couple of months? You've never, I've never met you? She said, no. And uh, I was thinking about last week, and I said, well, well, how was it? She said, it was so good. The only problem is I cried the whole service. And I told her, I said, listen, I wasn't trying to make you cry. I'm sorry I made you cry. I wasn't trying to. But, but what I think she was saying is that it touched my life, that there are some promises that are inside of her that have laid dormant. And that's what we learned from Mary last week was that God deposits a promise inside of each and every one of you. Listen, you don't have to be a woman to have that promise. You know, last week I said, God, impregnate you. One of the guys said, I don't know about all that, Pastor. Yeah, yeah, he puts a promise on the inside. And I believe every person in this place, God has spoken it to you. And he does it in what we call these God moments, right? I mean, that's just where God speaks to our heart. I've never heard God audibly. But I have had these moments where God just deposits a promise, a dream. I mean, something just on the inside of me. And I know it's from God because it's bigger than me. And so I believe many of you have as well. And, you know, what Mary's life would say is that God wants to birth that promise on the inside to bring healing to the world outside. And we know that through Jesus. Jesus wasn't just for Mary and Joseph. Jesus was for the world. And our promise, whatever God places on the inside of you, this is how you know if it's a God promise. It's only a God promise if it connects people to Jesus. And so today we're going to pick up on uh, another hero of the faith, and really it's Sarah. Uh, and as we start, I want to go back to our theme verse, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. You can pull out your message notes if you have them. Uh, I want to dive right into the message, but it starts off, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... And so what the Bible's talking about here is that those that have gone before us, those in our past, loved ones, heroes of the faith, they're up in heaven, and they're a cloud of witnesses, that they're down here, they're up there cheering us on down here. They're like, shh, Randy, you can do it, shh, Courtney, you can do it. I mean, I'll, you know, we got, shh, we got it, you can do it. And though you can't see them, though you can't necessarily hear them, they're up there cheering us on. 
They're the heroes of the faith, people that have gone before us. And look at what it says. It says, so let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And then it says, let us run with perseverance. Now, perseverance is really patient endurance. And that's where it's like, hey, hang in there. It's going to take a while. I mean, God takes a while sometimes. I, I would almost say all the time. It's always longer than what I would like. And so he says, listen, run with perseverance the race that is marked out for you, that each and every one of you, your life's not an accident, that it's not something that's left to chance. God actually has a plan for your life. And so for us, we're called to run that race. We're saying, God, I'm going to run the race that you have for my life. And today we're going to talk about Sarah. Now, Sarah is Abraham's wife, and she's going to speak to us the most that once we have the promise... And God's taking a long time with the promise, what do we do? I mean, you know, we get a little impatient. Anybody ever get impatient? It's like, I want it and I want it. Yeah, it's, it's fast food. It's microwaves. It's instant Netflix. It's like, we, how many binge watch on Netflix? Don't lie. How many binge watch last night? Don't lie. Yeah, yeah. And what we do is we get the whole season, and then we say, hey, I'm checking out. It's going to be a good weekend. Get your popcorn, your Cokes, and order some pizza, and you binge watch. Why? Because you want it now. We, we want it now. But Sarah would say, listen, when God's taking a long time with delivering his promise for us, what is it that we do? And her life really speaks to us in that. See, I believe a lot of you, not, not everybody, but a lot of you, you've already received God's promise. I believe you already know what it is. I believe in your heart there are some things God has been speaking to your life. But if we're just honest, you would say, hey, Jim, it just seems like it's taken forever. And some of you, it's not even taken forever. It's almost like your life is going in the opposite direction. Like your family, your business, your dreams. It's, it's not even like far away. It's like we're going backwards in my life. And Sarah would speak to us and say, hey, listen, you're not the only one that experiences this. You're in good company. Let me share some things. Let me run this race with you and just take a lap and speak some things into your heart. She's going to do it in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1 through 6. So we're going to dive right in. It says, sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram. Now, his name is Abram. We would later know him as Abraham. And the reason it's later is because God changes his name later to Abram to Abraham and Sarai to Sarah. And actually, that A-H or that ha is actually what we know, God depositing himself in them. So when God changes their name, he actually changes their name to match his name. So did you know the promise inside of you has a deposit of God? He deposits himself inside of you. So Abram, who would later be Abraham, in a vision, and he said to him, don't be afraid. Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram, he's talking to God. He says, oh, sovereign Lord, what good are your blessings when I don't have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be an heir, for you will have a son on your own, of your own, who will be your heir. Now, it's important to know on this, at this juncture, at this moment, when God is speaking to Abram, which we know as Abraham, it would be 25 years later before Abraham would receive the fulfillment of this promise. Somebody say, good Lord. 
25 years. I don't know about you. How many know that's a long time? At 25, some of you aren't even 25 years old. And so God says, hey, listen, I'm going to deposit this promise. Now, Abram is actually 75, and Sarah is actually 65. So even when God delivers this promise to them, they're at the end of the possibility of bearing children. How many 65-year-old women are thinking, man, I don't know about that God? Like, no, 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 no. Like, we done. The, The factory is closed. Like, 65 is not when I'm thinking about having children. Can I get an amen, ladies? You're like, I was done at 30. Yeah. So here we are. She's 65 years old, and Abraham is 75, and God is depositing this promise inside of them. Look at what he says. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky, count the stars if you can. So look up. All the stars. How many have ever looked into the sky with all the stars? I mean, there's lots of stars. And God's saying, you can't count them, but if you could. He said, that's how many descendants that I'm going to give to you. So God is the God of the impossible. He shows Abram what's impossible and says, listen, it's impossible in your own strength. And Abram's probably thinking, man, I'm an old man. Yeah, it's impossible. God said, no, 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 it's not impossible with me. It's impossible with you. But I'm going to deposit a promise inside of you. And God always wants to stretch us outside of our ability, outside of our strength, and outside of our effort. So today's message is really for those who have become impatient in waiting for God's promises to be fulfilled in your life. God, I'm just, you know, it just seems like a long time. And Sarah would say, look, I got impatient. I rushed God, and I kind of messed some things up. And she would say, a moment of patience can save you a lifetime of regrets. It's just a moment of patience. I mean, how many of you back in high school, especially ladies, you wanted to marry that hunk who was 16, and you had your sights on him? And then you just recently looked at his Facebook, and you're like, oh, praise Jesus. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. You didn't answer my prayers. He was a stud, but now he's a dud. You know, you know what I'm talking about. See, God is amazing in retrospect. It's like, oh, thank you, Jesus. But how many of you were mad when you were 16? Oh, God, you didn't. He went to my youth group, and we didn't get together. And God's like, no, 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 that ain't, that ain't my plan for your life. And so hindsight is always better. It's like, God, oh, thank you, Jesus, for not answering my prayer that I tend to get a little impatient. I tend to want to rush God. And Sarah would say, look, don't complicate God's promise with your solution. That when you get impatient, that God is God and you're not. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so we have to submit to his plan for our life. God, I'm not going to get impatient. I'm not going to get ahead of you. And see, the problem is Sarah thought God was slow. God wasn't quick. He had forgot about her. But 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Listen, I need to tell somebody. God's not slow with keeping the promise he spoke to you. He ain't slow. I know, I know it's not on your time. I know it's not the way you wanted it to happen. I know on the inside you feel like he has abandoned you. God hasn't abandoned you. He is working on the inside of you. He is more concerned about our character than our comfort. Because if you would have get it now, you wouldn't have the character to keep the promise God is giving to you to steward to touch this world. So he's not slow to keep in his promise. As some understand slowness, instead he is patient. I heard a guy ask God, he said, God, what's a million years like to you? 
God said, well, a million years, just like a second. He said, well, God, what's a million dollars like to you? He said, well, it's just like the penny. He said, well, God, can I have one of those pennies? God said, sure, in just a second. That's funny. I don't care who you are. God's on his own timetable. And sometimes we want to, I don't understand. You don't have to understand. But go back to the story with me. Genesis chapter 16, verse 1 and 2 says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Now it's important to note at this time in the verse, 10 years had passed. 10 years. So Abraham is now, he is 85. Sarah's now 75. I mean, if you thought she was old before, she ain't getting any younger. Ten years have passed. Ten years. Listen, what's on the inside of you can't be rushed. It's not microwave Christianity. And some of you, listen, it's that patient endurance. I'm just going to be persistent with doing what you've called me to do. I'm going to be faithful. And God, I'm going to be patient. I'm not going to make it happen outside of your will for my life. Look at what she does. She says, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Now, here's the problem. When you tend to wait so long, you start to have bad theology. You start to blame God. God is keeping this. No, baby, it's God's promise. He's not keeping you from it. He's preparing you for it. And so her theology gets a little bit whack, and she starts to blame God, and she's been waiting for a long time. And what happens is her trust turns to doubt. Her faith turns to fear. Her obedience turns to compromise. Why? Because she's been waiting, and her patience is wearing thin. And look at what she says. She says, go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. Listen, man, you shouldn't agree with everything your wife says. That's a good spot for an amen. She's like, don't be going off to some maid servant. Listen, honestly, man, sometimes you got to tell your wife, no, you got, now, not on Mother's Day. Not on Mother's Day week. Like, don't go home say, now, he said, Lay, put my foot down, baby. I ain't cleaning the house. Clean the house, boy. Clean the house. Do whatever she, go wash the car. Massage her, I'm in mixed company, without anything afterwards. You know what I'm talking about. It's all about her. But, but, but there ought to be a point. Abraham should have said, no, I'm not going to do it. Because that's not what God said, said. But he did, and Hagar conceived and gave birth to Ishmael. And we know that Ishmael would be a counterfeit to the promise. And really, there's been conflict in the Middle East ever since against these two offspring. All because of compromise. And so she would say this, compromise opens the door to the counterfeit. She would just, listen, listen, when you compromise, you open the door for the counterfeit in your life. See, you get impatient, you do it your way, you do it in your timing. What, the problem is you're not birthing God's promise, you're birthing your solution. And she would say, listen, don't do that. Why? Because you're going to produce a counterfeit. And what's the counterfeit? Counterfeit is a forgery. It's not real. It's fake. Now, it looks like the real thing. See, it's got the look without the value. And some of you have got a hold of a promise, not God's promise. You birthed it out of this getting outside of God's timing. And it looks like the promise, but it doesn't have the value of the promise. It doesn't have the blessing of God on the inside of it. How many are familiar with pyrite? Anybody familiar with pyrite? So, so we're studying. They're like, what is that? 
It's called fool's gold. Uh, it's gold, fake gold. Look, look, let me show you a picture. So, so we have gold, and then you have this material, this, this it's called pyrite. Now, the interesting thing about pyrite is you can go out and you can go pan for gold and you can pick you up a big piece of pyrite, shines like gold, kind of feels like gold, kind of looks like gold. If you don't know the difference, you would think you're now rich. But the problem is it has all the appearance of but holds no value. It's what they call fool's gold. And I wonder if the devil hasn't sold some of us on a fool's promise. It's got, you know, the look of, the taste of, like, like it kind of, but the problem is it doesn't have the blessing of God, doesn't have the value of God on the inside. And Ishmael really is the counterfeit. He looked like the promise. He seemed like the promise, but it was Sarah doing it all on her own. Look, go back. It says, go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. So go sleep with my maidservant. Now, it's really I, you know, I felt the Lord told me to say this just before I was. Here's the challenge. I mean, if you look at Sarah, and I didn't say this in the first service. I feel like this is for someone in here. Sarah, it's almost like a selfless sacrifice, but it's like a pseudo-selfless. Because, look, she, in some ways, doesn't even feel good enough to birth the promise. Right, so she says, hey, Hagar. She can do it. You know, part of it's like, I'm going to do it on my own, but look, I may not even be good enough. I feel like there's somebody in here right now, you don't feel good enough, so you have given your promise to someone else to birth, and it was never theirs to birth. It ain't about how you feel, baby. It's how God made you. You are the carrier of the promise of God on the inside. And so it looks kind of good. It looks selfless. And it's like, man, I'm a, no, no. Because what you have on the inside, only you can produce with the blessing of God. So no matter how much you try to defer, it's outside of God's will. You'll break them and you'll destroy you. All because you gave it to someone else that wasn't created to birth what God gave you to birth. Here's an interesting thing about Hagar. You know, theologians believe that Hagar was Pharaoh's daughter. Now, if you remember the story, Abraham and Sarah go over by Egypt, and the, the Pharaoh says, I want her. She must have been gorgeous. And so he says, I want her as my wife. And Abraham said, just say you're my sister so they don't kill us. So the Pharaoh brings her in, and then God strikes him with plagues and all kinds of disaster. And then he realizes this is Abraham's wife. So the theologians believe that somehow in that exchange, when the Pharaoh realized who she was as penitence, he gave Hagar to Abraham. Now, here's the, here's, the, here's the crazy thing. They believed that was the Pharaoh's daughter. So she had royalty in her blood. So think about this. What, 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 what was sitting before her, see, if you think it's just a maidservant, not only was it just a maidservant, it was a royal maidservant. So it looked like in the natural, all the dots are lining up. Like, hey, I get it. See, you, God, you said the promise would birth a great nation. Well, we're not really royalty, but you gave us a maidservant, and she's royalty. The challenge is that's not the way God said he was going to do it. And so your solution that many of us in our lives, it's so close, we just say, well, God, surely this is it falling into place. And the reality is if we step back, God would quicken us and say, that's not how I'm doing it. If we can figure it out, it's not God. 
If you can make it happen, can I just tell you, it's not God. Why? Because God puts something inside of you that is bigger than you, that is greater than you, that's going to take a miracle. And so you've got to say, God, I'm going to allow you to move on my behalf so that when the world sees, God gets all the glory for what is done. I mean, she compromised in her life. Now, look, there's good compromise. There's bad compromise. I mean, I'm a parent, and I got four kids, and we're always trying to get our kids to compromise. How many parents know you got to compromise? I mean, we, we do this whole thing called win-win. Everybody say win-win. Like, we don't need loser-winner. We do win-win. Now, I'm not talking about sports. Sports, there's a winner. There's a loser. And if you're playing me, you're going to be a loser. But I'm just saying. I'm just, no, just play. That's for all my competitive people. You're like, I'm going to get you, pastor. So we do this win-win, win-win. So one of my girls, Ray Ray, little Ray Lynn, she, she is all princess, man. Since she was walking around, she had high heels and crowns and dresses. I mean, she wears a dress to get up and lay around the house. To, I mean, it's just a dress, dress, just foo-foo. It's my foo-foo. And then, then I got Addison Grace, and Addison, man, she, she got her short shorts, not too short, but they're short, a little too short than... Then daddy likes, but they're short, and she's running around. she got a little T-shirt, and she loves horses. Oh, she's all, she rides a horse called Starbucks. And so she goes every week. She rides Starbucks. And so then when they go to watch TV, how many know there's a battle? So we're wanting to watch Princesses or Barbie, or we're wanting to watch Horseland. You know, all these little girls riding horses. And so we say it's a win-win. It's a compromise. What's the compromise? You can watch a little bit of Barbie, and you can watch a little bit of Horseland, but you got to have a win-win. That's a good compromise. How many know in your marriage you got to have good compromise? Your marriage ain't going to make it if you don't compromise. Someone can't win all the time. But then there's the bad compromise. Bad compromise is when you give up what you know you should do for a substitute, for something that's easier, something that's less than, and that's really what we see happen with Sarah. God didn't say he was going to birth the promise through her servant. It was through Abraham and his offspring. And so the compromise comes in when we don't do all of what God has said or we add to what God has said. Like God didn't say that. So I have people tell me all the time, Pastor, how do I know what I ought to be doing? The last thing God told you. That, that's a drop mic moment right there. That'll save you a lifetime of pain and frustration. Pastor, what should I be doing? The last thing God told you. Well, he hadn't spoken in a long time. Well, welcome to the club. Ten years have passed. Twenty-five years have passed. See, we think, well, God, you got to add to it. No, no, no. Just do the, be faithful with the last thing that God has spoken to you. Proverbs 16, 25, look at what it says. There's a way that appears to be right, but the end leads to death. Looks good. Looks like it's, I can make it happen. The problem is that's not God's way, so it leads to death. God's promises have got to be fulfilled God's way, no matter how long it takes. No matter how different that road is than you think it ought to be, you've got to learn to trust God. You've got to learn to say, God, I'm going to trust you. And Sarah would say this, let your life be guided by faith, not fear. God, I believe God, I believe. Now, Sarah would say, listen, don't do what I did. I got outside of God's promise. I I got in my own strength. I I didn't know if he was going to do it, so I did it my own way. She would say, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. It's not about what you can see. It's the faith walk. It's total trust and confidence in God. And I heard a story about a house that caught on fire and a young boy that was forced to the roof of the house and The father stood on the ground below and his arms were outstretched to this son that was on the roof and said, son, jump, I'll catch you. 
The boy knew he had to get off the roof or he was going to die. However, he couldn't see his dad. The flames were gushing up and the smoke was billowing out and he couldn't see. And He knew he had to jump and his dad was like, son, come on, jump. I'll catch you. And the son looks at his dad down towards the ground. He can't see him, but he's looking down and he's saying, dad, but I can't see you. I'm afraid. And his dad said, listen, son, jump. I can see you. And that's all that matters. Now jump. And if I got to be honest, I think God is saying to some of you, just, you got to jump. God, I, I, I can't see. God, I, I, it doesn't make sense. Just, just whatever he is saying, just keep saying, God, I'm going to move forward. I'm going I'm to stay moving in your direction. I'm not going to get outside of your will. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to have faith. I'm not going to be guided by fear, but by faith. Augustine said it like this. Faith is to believe What we do not see, and the reward of faith is to see what it is that we believe. Listen, eventually you're going to get the promise. Whatever it is that God has spoken to your life, you're going to get that promise. Just say, God, I believe. Everybody say it right now. Say, I believe. I believe. I believe. believe. On Mother's Day, I believe. You know, the last thing Sarah would say is this, and here's... Here's where I really felt someone came in today. It's never too late. It's never too late. It's never too late. I love this about the story. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. It says, and by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. So ultimately, listen, you go back and read the story. It's an amazing story. God gives her the promise. And here's the amazing thing, and I I encourage you to go back and read it. It's in Genesis 15, 16, 17, and 18. And the more I studied it, the more excited I got. See, I don't know about you, but man, I have messed up. I mean, my life, you you think I'm a pastor now, and, and I am a pastor, and praise God, but... Man, there were moments in my life that I ran from God. And even the promises of God, and I have to tell you even now, there's moments where it's like, God, I don't know if you really, have you really called me to do that? Because that sure is big. Like, are you sure that I'm the right guy? I don't know if I'm smart enough. I don't know if I got the right guy. I, I don't know, God. I, but but what, what I've learned is this, even when we make mistakes, even when we get outside and try to do it on our own, 13 years after Abraham and Hagar have Ishmael, it's 13 years later. God visits Abraham, he's now 99. Sarah is 30 years old. And check it out, they done made the mistake. Can you imagine that mistake is just in their face every single day and you know, there was tension. In fact, you know, Hagar and Ishmael and Sarah and Abraham, it was just a big dysfunctional family. Anybody got dysfunctional families? <laughs> I think we're all, I used to think, well, you're helping. No, no, we're all dysfunctional. Like, I, I, maybe there's a leave it to beaver family out there, but I'm not it. I mean, you just, if you're dysfunctional, you join the right church. <laughs> Let's get healthy together. <laughs> there's a lot of bitterness and anger. Well, she leaves, anger, mad, frustration. And here's the cool thing. Abraham's 99 years old. Sarah's 90 years old. God visits them and renews his promise with a covenant. See, some of you have been sitting here with a promise. 
God, I had a, a man come up at the end of service. He, he had to be 65 years old, precious. First time at the church, and you know what he told me? He said, I don't know why I came today. He said, someone invited me, and he said, man, I just feel like you were speaking to me, that it's not too late for me. Tears just running down. His, this, is, this is a manly man. Tears running down his face. It's not too late for me. Listen, it's not too late. The promise you thought you messed up, listen, you're going to have to deal with the Ishmaels. There's problems you're going to have to face and struggle through. But I can tell you this, God's going to fulfill his promise inside of you. He's faithful when we are faithless. And it says so funny, you know, Sarah, she's laughing. She, <laughs> and it's, I'd probably be laughing if I was 92. Thinking, good Lord, are you sure? I mean, but somehow, can you imagine this? This, this is what I just envisioned, and I, and I sense God doing it. She's 90, Abraham's 99, and here's the funny they've been there probably walking with a cane. I don't, I don't know. I'm just, this is how my, I'm just, hey, <laughs> false teeth. <laughs> God renews the promise with a covenant, and this is what I see. I think happens. Abraham sits back a little bit taller. Sarah starts saying, well, okay. God, you said it. Can you imagine just life coming back into her bones? I mean, just, they start to walk around. It says they live many years later. And so, you know, Abraham, I think it was 30, 40 more years Sarah lived. I mean, they had great life after. So can you imagine just the health in your body? You just, you like, get a little bit more pep in your steps. Some of you, you've been walking around defeated. You've been walking around like it's too late. You've been walking around like there's no way God can do it. I want you to know when you grab a hold of the promise, your countenance changes. The energy and the passion inside of you changes. The reason why you ain't got no passion is because you let the promise die. So you got to say, God, I receive it. I, it goes back to, to, to Mary last week. If you didn't get it, listen to the podcast. It's just saying yes. Yes. God, I don't know how, but yes. I'm crazy enough to believe that you'll do it. And God, I'm not going to mess it up this time. And God, I'm going to trust you. And I'm not going to get out ahead of you. And that's really what I believe this morning. There's two groups of people. Some of you, you got out ahead of God. And your life is struggling because of it. And you didn't understand. But the truth is, if you evaluate it, if you take a step back, you realize you produced an Ishmael in your life. This is why I say, just repent. So, I just heard someone say, well, I married him. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't divorce. <laughs> I know I hear these voices in my head. <laughs> you can't divorce Ishmael if he's your husband. Stay with him. But I know this, every dream God placed in your heart can still happen even if you feel like you married the wrong person. Not only that, that's the miracle, right? That's the part where God says, ha-ha, devil, you're a liar, and where it seemed like it was impossible, I'm the God of the possible. So there's those of you, listen, I'm going to pray for you. We're going to close in just a minute. I, I feel the presence of God in this place. And then there's those of you, listen, you have been patient. But your patience is kind of wearing thin. The God, I hadn't seen it. I, I, I hope this message gives you hope. I don't know God's time, but I do know this. When he does it, it's going to be a miracle. I mean, think about, I often think about this church. You know, really, we launched it when I was 35. I thought I was too old and too, you know, I kind of think, well, God, you know, maybe I'm too old. But, man, look at what God's done just, just a couple years. What happens is it's accelerated. It's supernatural. It's 
more than you could ever imagine. And ultimately, it brings people closer to Jesus. So you got a promise inside of you. Listen, Mother's Day. Grab it inside men, women, young people, old people, middle-aged people, all of us. Those who got hair, those that don't, I'm a little jealous. Promises inside of you. It's amazing, amazing, amazing. See, the goal of this church is this. I just want to birth these miracles. Man, that's what the church is all about. It's just, God, help people unlock what's inside. See, then you go out, you be the church. People come to the church. We do small groups. We go to next steps. You discover your purpose. Cities change. Regions change. We're going to reach this city. I wasn't called everywhere else. I was called to Rosenberg. And praise God for my Richmond brothers and sisters and all my, my Wharton and all my Neville and, and, and all the other places. <laughs> but I know God's going to use us to reach this region. It's because of what's on the inside of you. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. God, move in a supernatural way. God, we love you. We pray that your promises would come to pass at your perfect timing. Lord, I pray for both groups of people. God, those that are here that got out ahead of you and did things in their own strength, in their own might. God, would you give them strength and grace to continue to move forward. Lord, we repent. I repent of every time I ever got ahead of you. And let our prayer be, God, whatever you want to do in a church, do it in our church. Whatever you want to do in a city, do it in our city. Whatever you want to do in a family, in our family. Whatever you want to do in me, do it in me. God, we thank you for that. God, I pray for those that have been patient and waiting. Give them strength. Give them grace. God, give them all that they need. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Praise you, God. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. I really believe there's some of you, you came this morning, and you do not have a relationship with God. You know, we're talking about the promise, but the truth is you need to know the God of the promise before we focus on the promise. Maybe you were raised in church. Maybe you were raised around religion. God's been on your list, but he's not at the top of your list. Right now, this moment, that can change. You can, in this moment, begin a relationship with God. And I love how amazing God is that you don't have to work for salvation because that's really, that's what we call it. That's the spiritual word is salvation. And what that is is we confess, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. And a miracle takes place. And that's how you begin the relationship. There's some of you here this morning, I believe God right now in this place is moving on your heart. And he's saying, right now, I want to begin that relationship with you. And you say, I want to respond. That's that's all it is. We respond. God, I respond to your presence. In this moment with heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. You say, that's me, Pastor. Right now, I want to begin a relationship with God. This morning, right now, raise your hand up high. I want to pray with you right where you're at. I'm going to ask you to come down and see your hands back there. Keep your head bowed, eyes closed, hands up, high, high. Be bold. God, it's today, right now, I want you to be my Lord, my Savior. I'm going to give you another second. I think there's a couple more right now. That's you. Your heart's beating fast. You feel God moving on your heart? You say, I want to respond right now. Keep your hands up. That's you. Lift your hand up. Hands down. Come on, church. Celebrate with them right now. Thank you.
You say, well, what are we going to do? We're going to pray this prayer. And then Pastor Jackie's going to come close the service and our pastors and ministry team will be down here. We're going to want to pray with you if he wants to pray with you. Let's pray this prayer. Jesus, I need you. I confess I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me of all the wrong things I've done. I need you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I receive your grace, your power to live your life right now in Jesus' name. And everyone's happy.